world. I'm Lucy Sandler, and you're listening to Small Business Big Problem, a podcast where myself, along with guests, talk about the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur in America. I started this podcast because as a business owner myself, I felt like there wasn't a space for small business owners to let off steam or be honest about their experience of running a business. I received a surprising amount of feedback from our first episode that listeners actually wanted more background information about myself and about my guests. So going forward, you will have more of that. I'll start with myself. Again, I'm Lucy Sandler. I'm 28 years old, and I own the floral design studio House of Blooms in Raritan, New Jersey. Pre-coronavirus, my company specialized in wedding and event flowers. Post-COVID, we offer a subscription model for flowers and are looking into different retail opportunities until it's safe to have lots of people celebrating in close quarters again. My guest today is Joey Raimundo. He owns Media X Marketing. Joey, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hey, everyone. I'm Joey from Media X Marketing. I'm the owner, and we are a full-service video production company. We offer social media content, commercial content, and we also shoot weddings. I'm 28 years old. I started this when I was about 24 years old, and it's been going great ever since. Joey, we're twins. I start, I'm, Wow, I'm 28, too. I think we're the youngest in the room. Yeah, 100%. wow. <laughs> Joey's referencing our, our networking group, yeah. B&I. Again, that episode is coming. It's a whole lot to unpack, though. <laughs> so thank you for coming on my podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, let's kick off with a toast. Let's um, do it. This week, back again, some Tory whiskey, still the Toki variety. Uh, it's delicious. Joey, guest chooses the toast. So what are we toasting to? We're toasting to life. All right, toasting life. to life. Let's do it. All right, let's get into it. Just a reminder to our listeners, as far as format, I'm going to ask Joey a question and he'll respond. To keep me on my toes, though, he can ask me anything back. I didn't know that. (laughs) I can ask you anything. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you can ask me literally anything you want back if you want to. So my first question for you is, how did you start your business? Did you have a nine to five first? Yeah. So I graduated in 2015 from Humboldt State University, which is like a school in Northern California. Oh. Yeah. And um, after graduating, I graduated the a fall semester. So I started applying to jobs right before I was about to graduate, came home Thanksgiving break, had 10, 15 interviews and got a few different offers. I obviously went with the highest pay offer, sure. uh, college loans and all that. Mm-hmm. You know how it goes. And I was there for two years. They had me doing photo, video, graphic design website design, SEO, PPC, just everything that has to do with marketing. I was actually the marketing manager and I had a couple of people underneath me, like right out of school. So I just thought it was amazing. I'm like, Big oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it was great for the time being. It taught me so much. Just having that nine to five really gave me perspective on what I wanted to do with my life. So after learning a little bit more about photo, a little bit more about video, I started shooting weddings because I needed a way to pay the bills. And I just started applying to videography jobs and weddings, obviously always, always comes up. Studios are always looking for videographers, photographers. And I got one right after that. And after shooting my first two weddings, I'm like, wow, I could make more money in two days rather than working a whole nine to five. And once I had my clientele up and a bunch of dates lined up already, I, I made the transition into doing it full time and then started contacting local businesses that hop into the more commercial space to fill up my Monday to Friday. And from there, it's just been a snowball upwards. Just it's been going crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's actually for, for our listeners benefit. Joey and I again know each other from our networking group, but I've used Joey. If you check out my business's Instagram at house of blooms and J, my website, house of blooms you'll any video content you see was made by Joey's company. He's super good at what he does. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's really interesting. That's 
So you did have a nine to five. Oh yeah. It yeah. was, it was great. Had, I used to travel a lot too. I would be oh, okay. in Chicago for a week out of the month and I would be traveling. I'd be going to different trade shows, networking with people and just doing everything a bigger company would do in marketing, but just me and maybe like an assistant or two. Right. Yeah. They really gave me a lot of responsibility right off the gate, which I was prepared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just really think it made me grow overall professionally and learn how a corporate business works and the dynamic and who are the gatekeepers and, and things like that. It really gave me a better sense of my clients now and how they operate. You know, it's interesting you say that. One of my questions is, you know, what's a misconception about entrepreneurship that people have? And I think that the other side of that is everybody else around you is not an entrepreneur, yeah. right? So you should probably have an idea of how their world works if you want to sell to them. Exactly. hundred percent. So I think the biggest misconception is that you don't have a boss. You have clients and essentially they are all your bosses. You think you're so free to do whatever you want, but at the end of the day, you want to make your client happy. You want to like succeed. You want to under promise and over deliver with your clients. Yes. Always. Absolutely. And I just think like people think, oh, you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want. You get to have the creative ability to do express, express whatever you want. But at the end of the day, you still do have bosses. I think that's the biggest misconception. I would agree with that. So I think, you know, when I watch TV shows or movies where even an ancillary character like runs their own company or something, they're almost seen as this free spirit or like, oh, they do whatever they want. They're the one that can always be called to like do this or that. And it's like, I do so much less than all of my friends that are in in my age group. I was initially going to ask you after the nine to five question, you know, like, why'd you start a business? Has it changed your life? I think if you don't mind, I'm going to transition to some of the heavy hitters. That's it. So for both your nine to five and then having your own business, how has that affected like your relationships, be it friends, be it romantic? Mm-hmm. I think last time I asked you months ago, like you have a girlfriend? Or you I do. Have I do have a girlfriend. Yeah. So like, yeah, I know on the first episode, I kind of mentioned like my boyfriend's just used to always be second yeah. and that's cool. That works for us. Yeah. How's it been for you? Like with friends, romantic relationships? Yeah. So when I first started the business, I tried to have balance of personal life and the business life. I tried to go out after I was done and that quickly became so tiring. You know what I mean? It's just, you have so much energy and after work, you kind of just want to sit down and relax. I feel like I honestly don't really have a, per- I, I mean, now I guess I have a personal life due to COVID, but, <sighs> but before COVID I was shooting three, four commercials a week and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday weddings. So I would never see anybody. My girlfriend understands. I love her. Like she understands that I'm trying to build a future for both of us. Right. So I think the communication is the biggest thing where you need to properly communicate with your significant other, your friends, that you do have something going on. Over communicating will never hurt you. I'm a huge believer in that. I mean, you've even seen, again, Joey's shot stuff for my business before. My boyfriend, Ryan, you've seen him on site. Like some of the ways that we can get quality occasionally is like, Hey, I know that you want to go to this winery or this brewery this Saturday. I've got a wedding. Do you want to work for six hours and then and then <laughs> go, go after head up a brewery? And for some reason, he's just like, sure, that that counts as quality time because, oh. like, if that's what we can do together, I'll take it. Hundred percent. That's 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 so amazing. Where at least you have someone that isn't so needy. I feel like that's also one thing you need to find a partner that isn't so self absorbed, where they need your attention but are willing to make sacrifices for you. Absolutely. I also, Ryan's very sweet, my boyfriend, because like you said about building a future, like for both of us, he jokes with me all the time if I'm ever feeling down or like, oh, this was a bad month. I mean, basically 
the past, you know, two quarter, like the past quarter really with COVID. It's yeah. like, I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God. And Ryan loves to say to me, like, listen, don't sweat it. Like, I know I'm going to be the stay at home in this relationship. <laughs> like you do what you got to do. Like, I know you're figuring it out. And it's, it's really motivating and it's helpful to have somebody that like, just believes in you. Like mm-hmm. that raw, just like, you're going to make it. I know that. Yeah. Do you find yourself drifting away from older friends too, as your business starts to grow? It's sort of this, I, and I hate to be this kind of a person, but it's an issue of if you can't get on the train of what I'm doing, or if you can't understand or at least appreciate it, don't hang out with me. Yeah. 100%. You know, like if you're, if you're the kind of friend that's going to get really upset that I can't keep a standing lunch appointment every week, yeah. like, cool. Yeah. I can't honor the agreements of that kind of a friendship. Mm-hmm. And, and I think at the end of the day, you really want to find friends that want the best for you. If they're yes. looking for stuff for themselves, they're not honestly a friend. You always want to find someone that is not so self-absorbed and wants the best for you. Mm-hmm. I, I also struggle with like, I mean, you, you worked with me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of big about like time and like, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. The friends that have dropped off in my personal life are the ones that if we make a plan like a month and a half out, because guess what? If you want to hang out with me socially, yeah. that's what you're looking <laughs> exactly. at. Best case scenario. If you're going to text me the week of like, Hey, actually let's change the whole thing. Or, Hey, are you free next week? Like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not free. And I'll wait for you to reschedule. Yeah. And why don't you just email me? Yeah. Cause like at, at this point, like it's not worth it. So friends that are flaky or friends that like when they're not working, it's, just pure leisure time for them. Yeah. It just doesn't really fit. Exactly. And it's, I feel like it's hard to mesh your friends that do have a nine to five versus the friends that have their own business and understand like what you're going through. Do you have friends that have your own business? Like, oh have their own business? yeah, hundred percent. I, one of my friends owns a plumbing company. A couple of my friends actually own plumbing companies and they understand that you're there to make money. You're there to grow your business. You're there to grow essentially. And they, they're completely supportive. And those are the friends that you can ask advice from. They're, you can go to them with your struggles. And I, I just feel like the friends that do have a nine to five don't necessarily understand because they haven't been in the same situation. See, I feel like that's something I, I struggle with. It's been isolating because oh, they don't get it. Or like when I'm venting about work, the advice I get are, are things like, you know, take a day off yeah. or just like general, general cancel. advice. And it's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like that doesn't exist in my world. Mm-hmm. And it's not your fault that you can't give me good advice. But yeah, it creates this kind of thing of, I, I find that I've had kind of, I've had hard to hearts with some of my close friends because I've had to explain to them, like, it feels like you're not, it's not that you're trying to not be supportive, but you're almost dismissive of my problems because you think I have such this, this endless capacity mm-hmm. to just handle everything. Yeah. And I don't, I'm just a human that made this insane choice to run a business. Like I'm just like you, I just have a different set of problems. Yeah, exactly. I don't think people realize that. It's like, they think it's like, you get some special like brain implant if you decide to run a business exactly. that makes you just better at it and able to work harder. Yeah. And it's not true. Yeah. That's another like misconception too. I feel like people think that running a business is so easy and it's all, it's all smelling flowers and doing your life is amazing. You know what um, I mean? But at the end of the day, it's hard work. And the only way you're going to succeed in your business is hard work and time and patience and, and gratitude and empathy and all those things combined. It's just people need to, have the perspective. I think that's kind of the, the miscommunication is that they don't have the perspective on what you're going through. I don't know if it's a double standard or again, just like a, a lack of insight thing, but I try to like explain why I feel the way I do in my interpersonal relationships. And I'm then met with almost like, 
I don't care about hearing about your business. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, I don't know like, what to do with this. Yeah. Like I want it to be easier for us to relate to each other. And maybe what I'm talking about is just like, it sucks to say, but like, as we all get older, it's like, you never know when's the last time you hang out with a friend. Exactly. You know, 100%. like yeah. it just kind of is what it is. I have a few friends though that like are, I consider a core group, but it only works because I've set up certain kind of boundaries and mm-hmm. they've been clear with me about like, you know, here's places I feel like I can help. Yeah. And you know, like little kind of like with a, a romantic relationship, you set up language of like, Hey, I'm just venting. Please do not give me advice. <laughs> exactly. It's a rhetorical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like I just need to vent for a second. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. So the good friends have, have definitely stayed around, which is nice. Yeah. So what, what was your why? Cause it sounds like, you know, you had a nine to five that, doesn't sound particularly terrible. You know, oh, you got no, to travel, wasn't. fun, yeah. got to be kind of in charge of people. Yeah. So why did you do this instead? So I just felt like my routine was so monotonous where I was doing the same thing every day for the same company. And that slowly kills your creativity. If you're doing the same thing every single day, it's hard to be creative. Like even in the videos and photos, I, I just found myself taking the same photos, same videos, doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that was killing my creativity, killing my drive to even do anything. I just saw a decline in the quality of work that I was putting out. Mm-hmm. I was pretty much procrastinating on everything that I needed to do. And if you find yourself procrastinating, you really need to find out what your why is yes. and why you need to push yourself, essentially. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it was good. It was a good experience and things like that. But doing the same thing every day was just not for me. I was the kind of person I was looking forward to Fridays every, every single week. Right, I was right. living for the weekends uh-huh. and living for the weekends is only like, like what? 35% of your, yeah. your life. Yeah. And I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be pushing myself every single day. And I just found myself stagnant essentially. So you brought up something. So it's kind of interesting because I don't mean to keep harping on the, the kind yeah. of misconception about entrepreneurship, but I think that's the thing too. It's like, I don't work to take a vacation. Like I wake up every day. And even if I know I have like a hard day ahead of me, it's like, I own this. I made this. These are problems I want to solve. Mm-hmm. I'll take that any day over almost any amount of money to solve a set of problems. I, I don't believe in. No, hundred percent. Yeah. I just feel like another misconception is that you get these problems, right? And they think it's easy to solve these problems. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, just, just give me a quick re-edit or give me a, just, can you just redo this part? And they don't understand the work that goes into it. And to the, the point where you're saying, oh, I'm harping on the mis- or the misconceptions of entrepreneurship. That's kind of the, I guess, the, the root of this podcast. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's a million misconceptions of entrepreneurship. I thought when I first started, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to have employees. I'm going to be making so much money. Right. And at the end of the day, it's really not. It is, but it, it isn't. I mean, there was nothing, trust me, I'm not, I'm not a numbers person. I'll mm-hmm. never have my accountant on here because I don't want people to laugh at me. <laughs> but like, I can't tell you what a sobering moment was. Like I had this really trusted contractor for all of 2019, talking about getting her to become a W2 beginning in 2020, talking with my accountant about that and being told, sick, talk to your contract attorney, talk to your insurance guy. Everything about running your business is about to get about $400 more expensive a month, (laughs) not including what you're paying. Yeah, literally. And it's just like, oh, (laughs) weird. I thought I was creating commerce. Like, don't I get like a badge at this stage? Like I have my first employee. Isn't this a big deal? Like, don't I get a letter? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And it's crazy because we are at such a young age where we're learning as we're going. 
I'm literally day by day I'm learning and just, just running a business itself. It's a long play. It's not, you're not going to learn it overnight. You're not going to learn it in five years, not going to learn in 10 years. It's going to be like a 20, 30, 40 year ordeal where Mm -hmm. you need to put in that work every single day and learn about business, learn about your trade and, and just get better and better. And that kind of goes into, just to go into a little bit of a current event thing. So coronavirus, right? You mentioned weddings. I obviously used to do tons of weddings. Mm-hmm. How has coronavirus affected your day-to-day operations, whether it's staffing your, your workflow day-to-day? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you given up your, your space that you rent? Anything like that? Yeah. So we furloughed our admin assistant. Mm-hmm. I still have one person on payroll. But yeah, we furloughed our admin assistant because... Obviously, I had a bunch more time where I could take on those roles, but just like wearing masks to shoots and just trying to be, I guess, as clean as possible while we're in small businesses, because we're always in small businesses. Mm-hmm. We're in stores, we're in restaurants, we're, we're here, there. So like, we're just trying to leave a footprint where we don't contaminate anything. And Corona slowed us down, but now I guess we're picking back up again. And it seems like that as New Jersey starts opening up, it's starting to close back down again. And it's like an up and down kind of thing. Well, I, I'm curious too, the first call I made back in early March when like all the coronavirus stuff started kind of going from a conversation more than whispers. Yeah. The first thing I did was call my contract attorney and I was just like, I'm going to need to just like probably go on a bender for two weeks because I am <laughs> very stressed out. But before I do that, I need to have a new contract for all of my clients because it's about to be wedding season. Mm-hmm. And everything's going to get canceled. What do I do? And a lot of my new language in my contracts talks about like market price for flowers. Like what you booked might be a whole different cost. If something changes that isn't in our control that we can't show up, you still owe money. Or if you don't want to owe money, here's the latest you can let me know by. Because like my whole business model had to change to survive. I mean, have you had to talk to any, like you must've had rebookings. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. How'd you handle that? And were your, like my clients were pretty much great. Like, because I spent a lot of my time in having someone become a client and building a relationship so that God forbid something really bad happens you can speak to each other like humans. Exactly. Which I believe is kind of how you work as yeah. well. How has that, that experience been for you? Just kind of like, hey, everything's different. Here's the plan. Exactly. So I'm not sure if people are familiar with studio work. Uh, studio work is essentially work that another company gives you and you're a third-party contractor. So I had a lot of studio work this year. And in 2021, luckily, I told the studios, hey, I'm not doing any more studio work. It's all going to be through MediaX Marketing. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of dates open in 2021. And most of my clients rescheduled in 2021 where I was already free. So that kind of gave me, like it relieved my mind where I, I do have those dates open where I don't double book. Because a lot of the people book me for me and not MediaX Marketing. Right. They like my work. They like what I do. They like what I bring to the day of, the, of their wedding. And the, the fact that I had those days open was, was amazing. That's another question I think I'd like to ask because we're similar there too. You saying your clients wanted to work with Joey. Like exactly. their company's BDX marketing, but they want to work with Joey, the person. Mm-hmm. My whole business was built around, I want you to want to work with Lucy. Mm-hmm. I want you to want my work. A major selling point for me was I only took on 20 or 25 wedding clients a year mm-hmm. and a maximum of 15 private events. So any kind of a party. With the whole thing being, you're you're paying for my work. Yeah. Like I, I do have other designers that help and do ancillary roles, but I make your wedding bouquet. Mm-hmm. I make eighty percent of anything that leaves my studio, and I check a hundred percent of it. Yeah. 
So that's what you're paying for here. Exactly. And having to kind of balance that with, you know, not wanting to double book people. Mm-hmm. I, I made the choice too of I'm not booking new business for 2021 until all of my 2020 clients are either elapsed or rebooked. Gotcha. Because I booked all those clients in good faith with me saying like, you know, I only take on one wedding a day, usually one wedding a weekend. Yeah. Like that is how I like to work. That's my work-life balance. That's how I achieve it or try to. And I I feel the need to honor that. But I've talked to other friends that are florists, other friends in the weddings and events industry. And I mean, some people just kind of close their business. Some people are in very sticky, weird situations. Do you have friends that are in weddings specifically? Yeah. So I obviously I have a bunch of friends that are videographers, photographers Mm -hmm. too. And they're kind of going through the same struggle. I just feel like a big problem with having it be on you is that it's very hard to scale. So if you want to have multiple weddings a weekend and they want you, there's only one of you to go around. So that's kind of one of the issues that I ran into is that they want me. And how am I going to scale this to have my guys just go out and versus just just me going out? So I feel like that's kind of the, the paradigm that I'm in. So I'm going to ask you a question that I would like you to ask me back, definitely, because it relates to this. <laughs> yeah. What was one of your, maybe not worst moment, but what was one of your hardest, like, am I about to let people down right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, double booking. Studio sent me millions of dates. Mm-hmm. And if I don't put it in that calendar or if, if my admin forgets to put it in that yeah. calendar, I'll double book. And figuring out who to prioritize and thing like that, because I obviously want to prioritize all my clients, all my studios the exact same way. But figuring out who I need to let go is, is such a hard thing for me because I don't want to let anyone down. My whole motto is always over deliver. And mm-hmm. if I'm letting someone down, I'm not over delivering. Letting someone down is probably the worst part of a business. You always want to exceed expectations and just letting someone down just it's a nail in the heart. I'm with you. I mean, one of my hardest moments was probably in 2018, so like two years ago. And it was when I was first kind of figuring out, because I had a year where I did like 35 or 40 weddings. And I was just like, oh man. Burnt out. (laughs) This is a little, like, I don't want to work most of my weekends and all week. Because like, unlike what you do, if your flowers get delivered on Saturday, they come into my studio on a Tuesday and I've been working for months to secure pricing and and inventory. It's a huge process. Mm. So having to do that triple stacked all the time was just like, I can't do this many. Yeah. But in kind of recalibrating, deciding, you know, I'm going to charge more, take on less work. Mm. I decided to also do a a test for myself, a stress test. I was like, well, there's one weekend in July where we have a Friday, a Saturday and a Sunday wedding. And all the work was a little bit different. So I was like, this is fine. It'll be easy to kind of catalog out. Like, I'll try it. And I remember it was Saturday night. So I still had the Sunday wedding to have happen. And I was so tired. And I had 30 centerpieces to me. Because that <laughs> with my workflow, that's just how I banked it. And it, on paper, it looked great. Mm. But I had just been done two back-to-back 10-hour setups. Yeah. And it's just me in the studio. It's 11 p.m. We've got to be somewhere at 9 a.m. I have three people coming. And it's, I really had a moment of just like, what if I didn't make them? Could I, like, <laughs> is there any way out of this? Yeah. But then it was like, no, you, you're going to have to be here till three or four. Then you're going to have to sleep for a couple hours and then come back. And just do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever experienced burnout? I mean, I guess that was burnout. But I guess for the listeners, what, like, what's a way to overcome burnout? 
a way to overcome burnout, I think, is when I find myself waking up and hitting my snooze button, I mean, really ever for me, but if I notice like a few days in a row, I'm hitting it more than once in a row, I take time for myself and I I look at everything coming up for at least the next quarter. Mm -hmm. And I say to myself, like, what about this isn't inspiring? Like, what about this thing that I built am I dreading? Because that doesn't make sense. If I built this, if I'm doing work that's inspiring, that's meaningful to me, Mm -hmm. I should feel relatively good about it most days. So what's going on? Yeah. And I've been pretty successful in that because I, I then see things like, oh, you know, I have these these ancillary networking things that I agreed to, mm-hmm. but am I going to meet a connection that's going to lead to business or do I need to be there to generate business mm-hmm. or am I just trying to be nice yeah. to go to this because somebody asked me? Yeah. And who is that person? Like, yeah, I just kind of, I literally go through my calendar of just like, a, how can I make this more palatable? Because I clearly overloaded myself. Yeah. Because not for nothing, but the, the short answer is take a break. Yeah. Like the best part of coronavirus is crazy and like scary as it's been. I got to really take a break. Oh, hundred like, percent. I got to actually pause. I got to have a garden for the first time in a couple <laughs> years. Like I got to have time for myself. Yeah. And that's, that's the real answer to burnout is take a break. Mm-hmm. But that's the struggle with, with being an entrepreneur and especially being a young entrepreneur. You can't take a break. You have to keep going. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the age old adage is that, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And the fact that people say that, it's it just so unhealthy where I feel like you need to take a break as often as possible yeah. just to get perspective on what you're doing. Look at the macro of everything. Because a lot of the times entrepreneurs are so focused on the micro, the day-to-day where they get lost in the macro and they don't understand the overall vision that they have in the long run. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's part of almost business planning too, which can make you you want to be healthy and have a long-term plan, right? Mm -hmm. But then you start building, like the difference between a dream and a goal is you have steps, achievable steps that you could hit Mm -hmm. to to reach it. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes in building up those steps, being an entrepreneur, you almost get lost in the the minutiae. You can't help it because I'm a big believer in like the one or 2% rule. I'm not going to succeed if I want to be 10 or 30% better than every other florist around me. I can't, I can't differentiate myself. Mm -hmm. I can be one to 3% better in any department, whether it's customer service, whether it's my actual work, whether it's how clean my consultation space is, yeah. whether it's how quickly I respond to your email. Yeah. So me, I compete on those one to 3% mm-hmm. and I do a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially you need to set viable expectations for yourself yes. instead of shooting for the stars. You want to set realistic ex- expectations yes. yeah, that are actually achievable. Because it also, it translates to your client as you went above and beyond because they're used to people not responding to emails for three days. Exactly. So if you do it in 12 hours, you're a superhero. No, 100%. And I just feel like the client always comes first. If you want to succeed in business, the client, your client is always the most important thing to you. Yes. And that's the way you're going to get referred. That's the way that people are going to notice your work. It's, it's what you bring to the table that is above expectation. I completely agree. We have to pause here for an ad break. So uh, we'll be right back, listeners. What you're about to hear for our ad break is a voicemail that Joey, our current guest, actually got while we were recording. And it's just an ad for his business, pretty much. But a client of his left this voicemail. And I think it speaks to what a great business owner Joey is. Yo, dog, what's going on? It's me, Eric Lewis. Um, Happy quarantine extended, if you're in quarantine, so. But either way, I'm giving you a shout, dog. I just, I want to give you a shout and just, you know, show some love. Because I'll be real, bro. 
you are a genius. It's facts, bottom line facts. I feel like I have the ability to call one when I see one, and I'm calling you one, bro. You do phenomenal work, and you know I don't know too many people who who, who puts out content the way you do it. It's simply thought out, but well thought out. But either way, man, I can leave you a long voicemail just ranting and raving about how I think you're awesome, but I'm going to cut it off now. It's enough time of me calling you awesome, but you are awesome. You're the homie, and you know me. Keep it locked. Stay tuned. Play. I'm going to see you soon, and keep it up. All right, please. So, Joey, how did you build your business? Like, you had this idea. You were working in an adjacent field for someone, booked out your clients. What happened next? Like, how did you make it something that was sustainable? Yeah. So the funny part about it is at the end of my nine to five, I only worked on my business while I was at the nine to five. Right. I would go in, send out cold emails and just email as many people as I can. So essentially after working a nine to five, I was, I was doing the weddings on the weekends, quit and just started working out of my house because I was, I had the weddings on the weekends, started cold emailing, cold emailing anybody I possibly could, yep. like anybody, restaurants, daycares, anything I possibly could to make a video for. Mm-hmm. And the numbers game really does work. If you email 2000 people, one person is down to respond. It's a numbers game. Exactly. Absolutely. And after just persistence in getting that, I built my clientele up from nothing to something. My first client was actually a food truck. <laughs> yeah. From there, he referred me. And the over-delivering part is just so key to having people refer you. Yes. If you go above and beyond for any client, they're going to refer you no matter what. And from there, I started working out of my house, got more clients, got a small office, which was probably like 10 by five. It yeah. was literally one little room. I had my first commercial office space. I'm like, oh man, it's, it's awesome. Uh-huh. Another year went by, got a bigger office and joined BNI. And I feel like BNI itself has tremendously changed my career, whether it be knowledge, the people I know, the resources. I feel like B&I was probably my best moment in my entire career. And funny enough, the whole reason I got into B&I is I did a video for a barber shop and Travis from Sparkle Floor and Carpet yeah. went there for haircuts. And he, they were talking, hey, we need video work done. And my barber shop client that I did, I zero dollars. It was a free video. We exchanged haircuts for videos. Uh-huh. Talked to Travis. And Travis was like, hey, like I'm doing a presentation. Do you want to just come by, maybe t- snap a couple photos, meet the people? And going into there, it was overwhelming. Like you've been to the meetings. Oh, yeah. 80 plus people, all high level in their fields. Being, I, I think I was like 27 or 26 years old at the time. It was just so overwhelming. It was like, oh, wow. Like I'm, I'm in this room. I'm here where I need to be. I I belong here. And yeah, that was probably the biggest transition from being a smaller business to being, I guess, a more well-known business. Yeah. I mean, our our trajectory is, is very similar in terms of like, how did we have an established brand? Not overnight, but kind of just out of nowhere. I joined BNI, I think like a year or two before you, I guess like two years so you were super young. Yes, I was like 24 when I first joined. <laughs> yeah. um, like I joined the chapter that we were in maybe a year after I registered my LLC. Mm-hmm. And I actually found BNI because the old, the last flower shop I worked at before having my own business, this person would come in like yeah. every couple of weeks talking about this thing, BNI, BNI. And I finally convinced my boss to go to this meeting. Yeah. Because I was like, this sounds cool. And actually... 
the flower shop I worked at previously had a random person from his organization coming in, talking it up. And that old boss was just too dismissive. Like, yeah. And I was a college kid at that point. So like she wasn't going to have me tell her where to go at seven in the morning. You know? <laughs> so whatever. So this new boss though was like, fine, if you care, you come with me, we'll go. Mm-hmm. And I remember actually at that point, it was in my head that I might want to start my own business. And I was in this room. We're part of the BNI Patriots. It's in New Jersey, Bridgewater. And yeah, that chapter's got like 70, 80 people. And when I visited, I was with my old boss and I actually went to the bathroom for a second in the middle because I, I realized I had tears in my eyes. So I had this, this horrible feeling of like, you missed it, girl. You missed your shot. Like if you were going to start your business, it would have had to be in this room because if you had this energy behind your brand, you yeah. could do anything. Oh, 100%. And I was like, but you're here with another business yeah. and they're going to apply and they're going to get that seat. And Do they wind up getting the seat? No, <laughs> they didn't. It was like this crazy weird thing where for whatever reason they weren't accepted. Mm. And that I, I, you should know, I'm, I'm really not like a signs person too much, mm. but that for me was like a, that was God letting you know oh, 100%. that he's real and you should probably go join this chapter mm-hmm. and start your business. So you were really intimidated. at first. So I, for me personally, I walked in the room. I'm like, holy shit, this is, who are these people? Well, listen, not, no, the thing is, it's like, I, it's not that I was intimidated. It's that I, I like what you were saying that that feeling of belonging, yeah. like I was just like, oh my God, there's a room of people like me that have crazy ideas that want to build something. Mm-hmm but I'm not going to get to be a part of it because my boss is going to. Yeah. Cause I'm an employee. Yeah. <laughs> and it just like, was like, fuck. What an epiphany. Moment. Right. But then it was like hearing that he didn't get accepted. Yeah. That was actually the thing that really drove me to then be like, I, th- I think within a week or so of him not being accepted, I actually started negotiations with him of like, look, I want to start an adjacent business. Mm-hmm. I can do it under you or I can do it separate. But like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And ultimately, you know, we couldn't figure out a way to do it together. So I went off separately, but within two weeks I, I called the BNI Patriots and I was just like, I would like to visit for my business. Yeah. And I feel like to all the, I guess, younger entrepreneurs that are listening, the feeling that you don't belong, you need to get out of your head. You need to feel like you deserve to be there. You put in that work to deserve to be there. Yes. And I feel like that's such a fallacy where people are like, Oh, like, well, how, how did I get here? You need to have that confidence is that, that you belong there. You put in that work. You, you've done everything that you needed to, to be there. You need to realize that you belong there. And that's, and that's it really. Well, it's even like, uh, it kind of reminds me of like, even if you haven't put the work in yet, you need to have that raw belief. Like, have you heard of that show, Dave? On yeah. Dave? Oh, I, I killed Dave. Dave is amazing. Oh my God. Such a good show. But he has this one line where he's going back and forth with his girlfriend. He says, and she's just like, oh, like all you do is care about your job. And he was just like, thank God I believe in myself the way I do. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, exactly. I would never be successful if I didn't believe in myself this yeah. way. I have to be my, my very number one hype man. Literally. And I think for the first, like, you know, having this idea of a business, which like I said, especially, you know, four years ago, I didn't have friends that were thinking of starting a business. Yeah. So this idea was so like, go do that, Lucy, you're crazy. Go get a real job. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? But then to get in that room and see like, no, no, there's people doing this. If you want to build something like get ready to build some muscle, but you could mm-hmm. like, that was truly life changing. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Like there's, there's my life before me and I, and there's my life after. Literally. So, yeah. And I guess for me, with people that don't believe in me, my, I mean, my parents thought I was crazy. <laughs> like I had a job making close to six figures straight out of school. And like, 
making that jump. I have a clip on my mom because I used to vlog saying, oh, I don't know if you're going to make it. You probably will, but you might not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And having that belief in yourself that drives you and trying to prove everyone else wrong is kind of a good driving motivator for any entrepreneur. So I have a question, I guess, about your family dynamics. Do you come from people that are entrepreneurs? No, not at all. So my grandfather, he owns his own CPA and I've seen him. He does super well yeah. and he owns his own practice <laughs> and stuff like that. But my parents, they were both middle class. Like my mom's a microbiologist. My dad builds like machines and stuff like that. And they always had a boss. My parents had to be at work at five o'clock in the morning and like seeing that and just seeing that, that grind, even though they were working for people and seeing that grind, them waking up, making coffee in the morning, dropping me off at school, like that kind of drove me just, just in the hustle mentality. But no, to answer your question, no, I guess my parents personally weren't entrepreneurs, but they did have that work ethic where they needed to be there on time. They needed to exceed expectations. And those core values have always been in me. So that, that's kind of what rubbed off on you from that. Oh, hundred percent. Like, I mean, we were never like well off growing up. Like we, like we made ends meet and like we had like a small condo. We never really had a house, but like them grinding and that seeing them waking up that early, dropping me off at my grandparents' house so they could drop me off at school really pushed me to, wow, if my parents can do this, I could a hundred percent do this. Right. It's interesting because for me, when I was growing up, my dad always had his own small business yeah. and then eventually... I will not go into the weeds on this, but some kind of legislation got passed in New Jersey, which made his business just like you can't have like obsolete. Kind of business anymore. Yeah. So what he actually did is he went to his largest client at the time and was just like, I can't have my business. You still need my services. You should absorb me as an employee because yeah. you still need this. Yeah, 100%. Um, so then he, for the first time, I want to say in like his 50s, he had a job. He was an employee. Oh. Because yeah. prior to that, he you know he ran his own business for a while. Before that, he was a, a freelance writer. He was mm-hmm. a journalist. Like he never like he'd work again jobs, but like by and large, he was self employed mm-hmm. for his adult life. My mother, on the other hand, when I was a kid, my dad was kind of like the run your own business, stay at home, get us places because she was commuting to New York City to be a VP somewhere. Mm-hmm. Until 9-11 and shortly after 9-11, I believe she was laid off and then she started an executive coaching business. Mm -hmm. And my brother out of college, he was working for a company selling tax software, was like number one, number two salesperson, but all the while was building his own business, Mm -hmm. which, you know, a decade later, he still runs and has evolved a couple times. Mm -hmm. So I think part of why I almost skipped the step of getting a nine to five is because my whole life growing up, I only ever saw the, the adults in the room mm-hmm. revamping their life and, and setting their own kind of schedule. Yeah. And why don't I start this business? Mm-hmm. But my brother, just for reference, he's like six years older than me. Mm-hmm. So he was an adult in the room when I was a kid, Yeah, you know, in my brain. Yeah. So you have definitely had that entrepreneurship built into you since you were at a young age. Yeah. Like it just like it never, the, the contract attorney I've mentioned a couple of times, she's part of the networking chapter we were talking about before, me and I, and one of our first kind of meetings together, she said to me, you know, she comes from a family that they also ran their own business. Yeah. And part of why she does what she does being, you know, an IP contract business attorney is because her family's business had this situation where they almost had to go under yeah. because- of a bad business deal yeah and she wanted to make sure that never had to happen to other small business owners because she saw how hard they work but she also let me know like she gave me insight almost about my own life because she had to like how did you get here how do you start your own business and she reflected on what i said was just like wow you know your dinner conversations weren't about people hating their job Mm -hmm. yeah or that the day was so long and so hard it was about like they made something for themselves yeah And I feel like to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to have that ingrained in your DNA. Yeah. Ever since I was young, like 
when I was in sixth grade, I used to go to Costco, right? And I would buy the the hot, you know, like the hot hands, like uh-huh. to warm them up. We give them 50 cents a piece. I would go to, to my middle school yep. and sell them for $2 each Absolutely. and just start flipping those. And then later on, I guess when I was in high school, I used to play paintball. Mm-hmm. And that was a super expensive, I guess, activity. It would be like $100 a weekend. So what I would do is I would buy like cheap cell phones or cheap uh, iPhones and sell them on eBay. So ever since I was young, I've been reselling and, and things like that. That's so funny. That's so funny you say that because when I was a kid, I was always like, can I make a candy stand? Can I make a lemonade stand? In, in high school, college, I was always editing people's papers for yeah. money. Like just yeah. kind of like a... Yeah, like a side hustle. Yeah. yeah. So is there anything I can be doing to make more money? Yeah. Yeah. yeah which is, I, I never, that's so funny. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess I, there was always that little drive of like, what could I do for myself? Exactly. And I just feel like if that's not ingrained in you, it's not for you. If you don't love figuring out solutions and being on your, on your own, it's never going to work out for you. So that I, I'd like to maybe go into the, the employee question and I, you know, I don't want to get you in trouble, obviously. And I want to get myself in trouble, but how's that been for you specifically in the, the, how our age plays a factor? Oh, so yeah, that- I have struggled with it. So actually my first admin assistant was like 38 years old okay. and I was like 26 years old and it was cool. Cause he, he had a great perspective. He knew his role, but my struggle, at least, is hiring people that are younger than me. They see me as friends rather than their yes. boss. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so like we're friends. Like I love you. Like I care for you guys. It's just at the end of the day, I am your boss, and they do realize that. And I, I think proper communication will obviously solve all that issues. But in, in terms of teaching responsibility, it's crazy. My um, Alex, I'm gonna shout out Alex on this one. I like um, Alex. He's cool. Yeah. So the first time I hired Alex, it was my first admin assistant. And I was like, hey, oh, like, he? Just so, I know. so he is 21. He just turned 21. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. So he's super young. Right. Yeah. And I love Alex. Alex is like my little brother. He's that I to work with. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, I actually fired him the first time. My first admin assistant, I wasn't in the office. He was late three times. I'm like, hey, if he's late today, like, just fire him. And I wasn't in office. Mm-hmm. And he was late. <laughs> it was like the third time and he got fired that same day. Yeah. And later on the line, like a month or two later, like he hit me up. He's like, Hey man, like, I know I fucked up. Like, is there any way you can give me another chance? And I was like, you know what? Like, I like your work. I see so much in him where I was like, you know what? Like, why not? And ever since I had that conversation with him, we're like, Hey, like you literally are my number two. You need to step up to the plate. Right. And ever since then, after communicating that with him, he's been nothing but exceptional. You've seen him. Like, I bring him out on pretty much 99.8% of my shoots and just teaching him and, and, and showing him the proper way of running a business, shooting, the technical aspects, even just like life aspects of things. It's just so fulfilling where I could tell that I'm actually making an impact on his life. You know, I felt that feeling with a couple people that have worked for me and the place where I'm worried there's disconnect. And I I wonder if you experience this or maybe it's just a a personality difference. I feel like what I come up against is almost like they view me taking them under my wing and showing them more like what Lucy does versus just their piece in business. Mm -hmm. And that turns into it. I'm like, okay, great. Side note for listeners in the floral game, even prior to COVID sanitizing things, cleanliness, that's how you make flowers last long. You don't have a lot of bacteria. So a huge component of the business, similar to a brewery, mm-hmm. is cleaning. Mm-hmm. So a big part of any labor is cleaning. Yeah. It's grunt work. Yeah. I do it. Anyone that's work for me does it. Mm-hmm. 
But I'd find that after I would kind of explain it, and here's how I price things. Here's how I do my sales process. Here's why, here's your why, mm. like how do we get to here? Yeah. It would turn into almost like a, well, can't we both wash buckets today? Yeah. Does it have to be just me that does the grunt work? Because yeah. aren't we all in it together? Yeah. And then it makes me come up against this funny thing of like, I would love for this to be both of us in it together, but I can't pay you while I'm teaching you and you've provided no additional revenue providing mm-hmm. activity. Yeah. So, and I feel like it's almost like this weird kind of boundary and I don't know how to fix it, I guess. Yeah. Cause I want to keep hiring young people. I want to keep hiring people that want to be inspired mm-hmm. and, and don't want to just work a nine to five and have it be like, this is your role. You get to give up 75% of your life just something that you don't believe in. Like I want to be a job creator, but it's not that easy. Yeah. So for me personally, how I combat that is, yeah, we'll go on the commercial shoots. My employees, they'll enjoy it, but like not as much as like if you're doing like a YouTube video, but I always mix in some sort of reward at the end of shooting a commercial job or a wedding or whatever it may be. Like today, Alex was editing some sort of a commercial job. And at the end of it, we just shot a YouTube video. So it does stimulate his creative process and gotcha. is excited about the, the next project that we're doing. And I just feel like having a mix between work and creativity and what they actually like doing is, is phenomenal. So just to switch gears a little bit, Joey, do you have any rituals or like omens around your business, like harbingers of bad luck or the reverse? Like if I do this thing, things will go right today, <laughs> anything like that? So I guess in terms of rituals or routines, we have like a gear checklist where we'll go over through all of our gears or all, all the things you need for a shoot and we'll check it off. And if that's not done, because obviously we'll be in a rush at some point, mm-hmm. we'll forget something. 99.9% of the time, if we don't go through our gear checklist and check everything off, mm-hmm. we're forgetting something. So I guess that in terms of a ritual, and I guess the vibe of the day would show if we're going to have a good day or not. Yeah. Um, we'll show up to a shoot, and if the client's happy and we're not in a rush and, and things like that, things will go according to plan. But if we're in a rush, we don't really know what's going on. The client really hasn't given us much feedback or like let us know like what they want shot that's when things start to go wrong mm-hmm. and i guess that always circles back to over communicating with the client and over communicating with your staff of what we yes. have what we don't have and things like that but yeah in terms of like rituals no not necessarily we'll give each other a high five at the end of the day to, <laughs> to let us know that everything went well but besides that no not really i also have a checklist mm-hmm. and if i do not i have an excel sheet mm-hmm. where like I have things in red before they're packed. Well, yeah. Once things are in loading position, they all go to yellow. Once they're in the van, they go to green. Right, yeah. But like you said, time stuff happens. Yeah. If I can't do that, I am so anxious oh, driving yeah. where I'm going. Cause I just know it's going to be something. It's going to be something little it's too. It's going to be something stupid, yeah. but a little bit irreplaceable. Like not something I can find on site. Yeah. So there's that anxiety. I also do a little thing. I don't lay out my entire outfit the day before. <laughs> But I do lay out my sneakers and my socks. Why? I don't know, dude. I, uh, there's no, I don't have an enlightening reasoning, but it's, for some reason, I'm just so convinced. Like, what if I can't find a matching pair of socks? Like, I better. They always have to be matching? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, there you go. Right? Yeah. yeah, a little bit about me, friends. But uh, yeah, like, that's, I always have like my shoes and socks, just that, nothing else. Because mm-hmm. I have a million House of Bloom shirts, I have a million like black stretchy pants to wear on site. Yeah, 100%. Like, I've got those. Yeah. But, Something about the socks. I just get it all <laughs> in my head. Like, what if I waste 40 minutes in the morning yeah. 
I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It makes me feel better about the day. Oh, I get it. <laughs> so. so essentially what I do is before I leave for any shoot, I'll hit record on a camera. I'll record one clip before we leave. And that way I know bare minimum, we can at least record a clip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, so trust me, we've forgotten a bunch of stuff during shoots where we weren't prepared on time. But we take that as a learning experience, obviously. I mean, you got to. There's nothing else to do. So here's a question. Since you had some work-life difference between having a 9-to-5, having your own business, how has having a small business made your life better? And also, how has it made it harder? Yeah. So how it's made it better. I feel like I feel more fulfilled in my life. I feel like I have a purpose of what I'm doing. Waking up every single day, knowing that other people are relying on you and you're putting out this art really showed me that I do have a purpose. I do belong here and people are counting on me. And having a purpose, I feel like, is the overall driving factor. Knowing that you are fulfilled at the end of the day, you put in that hard work and you feel like you accomplished something is the best part about having a business. Because when I was in a nine to five, I feel like I would just leave the nine to five and be like, oh, I'll just put it off until tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So knowing that you have that sense of fulfillment is just everything. Worst part about having a business either the social life or the amount of responsibility that you have. Mm -hmm. Social life, people will never see you. And the amount of responsibility is if something doesn't get out on time or if a a shot's messed up or if anything's messed up, it's on you. It's not on your employees. It's not on the client. It's on you. So over-communicating with the client and figuring out exactly what they want at the end of everything and then adding anything that you can to it afterwards is the best thing to do. Yeah. No, I mean, our our answers would, would be very similar for that. Like, as someone who never, you know, I've worked for people, but I've never had a salaried position. Mm-hmm. I like having my own business because I, I struggle, you know, in a personal sense of like, why am I here? Like, it's cool that I get to be alive, but also so much of it feels unpleasant. So much of it feels hard. Mm-hmm. Like I only get to do this once as far as I know, like I want this, I want to maximize my life potential. Mm-hmm. And to me, that means choosing what I do with the majority of my time. Mm-hmm. So having a small business, hard days, good days, that gives me that part. Yeah. So it's worth it every day. Yeah. The hard part I would agree is, is the insane amount of responsibility and the isolation that happens. It's very lonely when maybe you're the only person that believes in you yeah. in like the sense of like, are you going to get up tomorrow at seven to do what you need to? Exactly. Like not so much in the big sense, like all my friends root for me, yeah. obviously, yeah. but that who's there for you at night when like maybe you don't want to get up tomorrow or like wouldn't it be nice mm-hmm. to like make an excuse and not be there like you don't have that option yeah so you just have to show up like that's hard sometimes because like shit happens in our life too like you have a fight with your girlfriend or boyfriend yeah. you have a falling out with a friend and it, it doesn't matter because if i have a sales consultation in two hours like i better get right in my head to sell yeah. my product literally yeah and i i feel like it all brings it back to the meta of why you're doing things. And I feel like having a business really brings out in you the why, why you're doing everything. Why am I here? What's the purpose of all this? And figuring out your why I feel like is life's fulfillment. I I completely agree. This might be an an odd question, but I feel like a lot of the ways that, you know, I talk about my business, the way I hear you talk about your business, almost any entrepreneur, it's very akin to how some people talk about, having kids yeah like kind of like there's my life before this and there's my life after and all i know they want to devote my life to this new purpose Mm -hmm. everything else is commentary yeah and i struggle with that because i guess you know i'm again 28 Mm -hmm. like this is about that time that like 
you know, society tells us we should be thinking about buying a house and yeah. kids and starting your real life. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, I have so many thoughts about having children anyway, but I feel like my life doesn't have space for that. Yeah. Is that something that being a young entrepreneur, you and your girlfriend have to be crazy personal, but yeah. like, is that a thought that ever even enters your brain? I'm just like, what about the rest of my life? Yeah. And how does it affect that? Yeah. A hundred percent. It's so funny because obviously we're in the wedding industry and right. yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And I tell my girlfriend all the time, like I see weddings all the time and for lack I know of how much people spend on weddings I, all the time. Besides that, <laughs> yeah, they spend a million dollars on, on weddings yeah. and like, it's just a lot of it. I feel like sometimes is just show. It's where people try to brag about, Oh, look how big my wedding was. Like, look at this, look at that. And at the end of the day, I feel like personally marriage isn't essentially about that big party. It's about that commitment that you're making. And my girlfriend totally understands that we have our priorities where we want to buy a house first before having a wedding, same, before same. we're like, even before we're engaged. Where, same here. We, my boyfriend and I are on the exact same page. Yeah. As, you know. Like essentially like what's, what's the point of getting married if you guys are, know you're going to be with each other for the entirety of your life. And I feel like society has this construct where you reach 30 years old and you need to have a baby, you need to have the kids, but you need to kind of work on your own timeline. A lot of people don't know exactly what you're going through or how you've been building your business or even just like your personal life, your growth. And to not take into consideration of societal norms is probably the best way to cope with that. Yeah, I mean, that's largely my my viewpoint on it. Just kind of like, it's cool, whatever, you know, society or BuzzFeed says I should be doing right now. Yeah. But, you know, what's my life? What's reasonable? But it, it's interesting because I, I feel like I come up against sometimes like family dynamics, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of that, those questions around like, well, but what are you doing? And when like, are you getting oh, married? Yeah, why aren't you engaged? Yeah. Or, well, are you guys talking about having mm-hmm. kids? And it's just like, I don't know, man. Like my main boyfriend and, and my child is my business. Yeah. Like that's where my energy is. That's kind of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was kind of curious if that's something that comes up for you and that I wonder too, like, is there a difference between like, cause you're like, I'm a female, you're a man. Like, does it hit us differently? Yeah. I mean, I feel like any entrepreneur really wants to provide for their family. I feel like at the end of the day, that's pretty much their driving factor. Of course. Um, yeah. Mo- and, money is real. We want to admit it not, exactly. Right? Yeah. So they, you, you want to be the provider, but I just think that societal norms and listening to the externals just, Oh, you need to be married by 30. It's, it's just not the way you need to live your life the way that you want to live your life. And I feel like entrepreneurs more than anyone realize that. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I think also just, just the fact that like, if you're going to start a business, unless you're in a really privileged situation, like you're starting that and you are taking a very real life risk. Like during coronavirus, like you can have a small business and you can collect unemployment, but Mm -hmm. normally, you know, the the government straight up says like, if you took a risk and you failed, that's on you, buddy. Like go work somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like not our problem. We can't, we're not going to give you unemployment. So my final question for you will be, is there anything you'd like to get off your chest? If there was anything you could just like, say out loud and have maybe people hear it. It's all going to be okay. No matter how far you're into it, no matter how deep down in the dirt you are, it's going to all going to be okay. And that's what I tell myself every single day. Mm-hmm. I would agree. If I could shout anything out for this week, I'd say I, I believe in the future. There's going to be something better on yeah. the other side of it. Even if I can't 
quite identify what it looks like. A hundred percent. Everything's always going to work out. It always works out for the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it always does. Right. Yeah. All right. So we have to wrap up here. Thank you so much for being on Thank the show. Uh, where would you like our listeners to find you on the internet or social media? Cool. So you could follow our business page at Media X Marketing. You could follow my personal page at Joey X Raymundo. And our website is just MediaXMarketing.com. All right. Cool. So that's a wrap. Again, I'm Lucy Sandler. This was Small Business Big Problem. Stay up to date on episode releases and small business humor by following at Small Business Big Problem on Instagram. If you want to get a little weird, you can follow my personal. It's at Sandler Lucy. That's it from me. If you know somebody I should interview or if you have a question you'd like me to ask our guests, DM me at Small Business Big Problem and we will catch you next time. Thank you.